Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is Part 2 of a two-part story. Please listen to Season 3, Episode 4 for more details on this case. Listener caution is advised as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. The charred remains of 21-year-old Sophie Leonay were found on a bonfire in the back garden of a property in Southfields, London. Sabrina Quidair and Awisem Maduni were arrested and charged with murder. The trial began during March 2018. Towards the end of April 2018, the court finally heard from Sabrina Quidair. She told the jury that she was abused by her partner, Awisem Maduni, since their relationship began in 2001. Sabrina said that she had been called dumb and slapped and kicked by a co-defendant. She explained they had briefly split up after attending a party in which Donald Trump was a guest in 2011. We did argue, she said. He was always making me cry. I did not understand why his behaviour was like this with me. Though Sabrina Quidair claimed that she was on the receiving end of both verbal and physical abuse at the hands of Oisem, another of Sabrina's ex-boyfriends detailed how volatile she had been during their time together. He said she was strange, she could be lovable and she could be detestable. She would often shout and become aggressive. Her behaviour was difficult, incomprehensible. She loved attention. She had a dual face, a dual personality. She knew who she targeted. In other words, the weaker ones. As the questioning of Sabrina Quidair continued over the next few days, she claimed that Sophie Leonay had a good time in her company, 
They would apparently do each other's makeup and chat over cups of tea. She did admit, however, that she became violent towards her au pair three times. During July 2017, after chastising Sophie for not organising breakfast, she pushed Sophie over and she stormed out of the house. The following month in August, she again violently pushed her. In the same month of Sophie's death, at the beginning of September 2017, Sabrina Quidair admitted that her actions escalated when she struck her au pair with an electrical cord after becoming upset that Sophie had allegedly made contact with Mark Walton, Sabrina's ex-boyfriend. As the trial progressed throughout the start of May 2018, Sabrina Quidair explained that she was not involved in Sophie Lyonnais' death, contradicting her partner's story that he was sleeping when it occurred. She said that Awisem Maduni tortured the au pair before forcing her head into a saucepan of water in the bathroom. Following the attack, Sabrina told the court that her partner then wanted to have sex with her. In broken English, she said, everything I'd done, I did for him. He wanted to have sex with me. I'm even shocked to talk about it. The prosecutor asked the defendant if what she was alleging was rape. She replied, I was shocked. I was not myself. I didn't say don't do that, but I was crying while he was doing that. Sabrina went on to add that she was not violent and had never made a false accusation against anybody. The court was told that in May of 2017, Sabrina was diagnosed with depression and borderline personality disorder. Symptoms for the latter include disturbed patterns of perception and emotional instability. Though the causes for the condition are unclear, symptoms can be overcome with the correct treatment. Orlando Pownall QC, who was acting on behalf of Awisem Maduni, addressed the defendant. He said, You make up dreadful stories about people, often of a sexual nature. You confuse dreams with reality, and you have violent mood swings. You can suddenly become aggressive. You do pick on the weak and exploit them. The jury were read doctor's notes which detailed the injuries sustained after Sabrina jumped from a fourth floor balcony on her 18th birthday and when she was 20, she ingested cleaning fluid after splitting up with her fiancé. Orlando Pownall also referenced a handful of police reports in which Sabrina accused her ex-partner Mark Walton of hiring a helicopter to spy on her and in another incident, she accused him of abusing her cat. The barrister addressed Sabrina and said, are you seriously suggesting Mr. Walton sexually abused the cat? We have heard evidence from Mr. Walton. You didn't have a cat, and he did not sexually abuse it. While not directly addressing the question, she said she was not crazy, and was more concerned with a new fashion business than her ex-boyfriend. She then went on to say that police didn't take her complaints about Mark Walton seriously, as she was not white. Orlando Pownall asserted to Sabrina that she was somebody that had been violent to many, many people. She responded, I can shout, I can argue, but it does not make me a murderer. On May 6th, 2018, Sabrina Quidair told the jury that Sophie Lyonnais could have left her home at any time she wanted. Though the prosecution believed that she didn't pay Sophie for her services, the defendant insisted that she paid the au pair £50 a week. As the proceedings came to a close, the court was played a recorded phone call. Catherine Devalone, Sophie's mother, asked her daughter to come home. 
She never did. The prosecutor Richard Horwell QC said, Do you know what is so tragic about this conversation? It is the very last conversation she had with her daughter. The prosecutor addressed those in the courtroom and said of all the cases this historic building has heard, this must without hesitation enter the category of the more bizarre. Expressions such as you really could not make this up and truth is stranger than fiction come readily to mind. The defendants make a truly odd couple. Theirs is a unique bond between them that has kept them together on and off for many years, a bond based partially in love and something close to it. But as far as this trial is concerned, the point that really matters is that together they were a truly toxic combination. Richard Horwell QC explained that the defendants had an unhealthy, myopic, all-consuming and groundless obsession with Sabrina Quidair's former partner, and when they killed Sophie Leonay, they turned her into something less than human. After a trial that lasted almost 10 weeks, on Thursday, May 24th, 2018, a verdict was reached. The jury deliberated for a total of 29 hours and 39 minutes. Seven women and five men found both the Wissem Maduni and Sabrina Quidair guilty of murdering Sophie Leonay. There was a 10-2 majority in favour of a Wissem Maduni being found guilty of murder and a unanimous verdict for Sabrina Quidair. As the jury foreman read aloud the verdict, a Wissem Maduni hung his head low and Sabrina Quidair collapsed in a flood of tears. In a statement read to the court, Sophie's mother, Catherine Devalone, said her daughter's life was ended by self-obsessed individuals. She said they starved, tortured and broke her until she could no longer fight. They took away her dignity and finally her life. The statement continued and addressed her daughter's killers. Our Sophie will soon be laid to rest. No God will ever forgive you both for what you have done to our daughter. I tried to think of Sophie the last time I saw her. Happy and smiling, but sometimes I cannot block out the horror. Sophie's father, Patrick Leonay, said, Sabrina and Awisem have not only stolen the life of my daughter so brutally and without remorse, they have also stolen mine. After the verdict... Detective Inspector Dominica Catino from the Metropolitan Police Force spoke to the press outside the courtroom. As the investigating officer in this case, I am satisfied that today the verdict has brought some justice for Sophie, but of course it will never bring her back. I believe that we are Sophie's voice telling of the torment, abuse and torture she suffered, and today she has finally been heard. This has been an extremely harrowing and tragic case. Both Sam Maduni and Sabrina Coudier have robbed Sophie Leonay, who was only 21, of a promising life and took her from her family and friends, who will never again get to see her beloved daughter, sister and friend. Sophie was systematically abused, humiliated and tortured, but we will never know the full extent of the horrors Sophie had to endure, as not all the interrogations were recorded. Even in death, the torture, abuse and humiliation continued by placing her partially clothed body into a suitcase with no regard for even a semblance of a burial before taking the callous decision to burn her in an attempt to hide their murderous act. Again, during the trial, the abuse and humiliation of Sophie continued as Sabrina portrayed herself to be the victim and made wild accusations against Sophie and her mother. 
it was clear that together they made the decision to torture Sophie and then cowardly blamed each other for her death. They were determined to do whatever it took to get them what they wanted and neither one took any steps to help Sophie. It was always about them. I cannot imagine what thoughts were going through Sophie's mind whilst being held a prisoner in those 12 days leading up to her death. But from the harrowing images it obtained, it showed a scared, broken, tortured and emaciated young girl who probably knew she was shortly facing death. Sophie Leonay's family left the court but didn't give a statement to the press. The case has shone a harsh light on the murkier side of the au pair industry, where young men and women can find themselves entirely dependent on their host families for housing, food and money. It's a setup that can lead to exploitation and sometimes much worse. Michael Croner, a local fish and chip shop owner who was another witness at the trial, recalled Sophie Leonay hardly speaking when he first interacted with her. He had told the court that he had given Sophie free food and drink, though he was accosted by Sabrina Quidair, who said, what do you think you are doing? She's a minor, and that's not right. Here he is later speaking to the press. So a couple of times uh, she looked very sad. There was tears in her eyes. So then I started to talk to her, but still very hard to get anything out from her. She was very laid back, doesn't want to say anything apart from yes, no. Funeral for Sophie Leonay was held on June 6th at Sands Cathedral. Her family and hundreds of mourners walked through the cathedral's large red doors to pay their respects to the tragic loss of Sophie Leonay whose body wasn't returned to a home in France until nearly nine months after her death. Sentencing took place at the Old Bailey on June 26, 2018. Nine of the jurors were present to see the couple receive their sentence. An interpreter was on hand to relay the proceedings to Sophie's parents. Sabrina Quidair, and Awisem Maduni stood emotionless, surrounded by security guards, but did not speak a word. During mitigation, Orlando Pownall QC, acting on behalf of Awisem, said the assumption is that the male is the dominant party, but in this particular case we submit, it is plain that the female defendant was both physically and mentally dominant, and she indoctrinated this defendant. Ica Park, you see, mitigating for Sabrina Quidair, explained to the judge that her actions were led by her mental disorders and disassociation from reality. Sabrina also wrote an apology addressed to Sophie and her family. It read, Dear Sophie, may peace be with you. First of all, I wish everyone, including Sophie, especially her parents and family who are suffering badly, to know how deeply sorry I am for what happened to Sophie. We shared many good times together, as well as pains, until things went terribly wrong and it ended up in this horrendous tragedy. I think of you every day and I am shocked and sad that you are not part of this world anymore. It feels like a horrible dream to me that I wish I could just wake up from. Every day I live with sadness and sorrow. I am suffering every day thinking of you and what happened to you that dreadful night. I only wish I could turn the clock back so that it never happened and you would still be alive with us today. 
I will now live without hope and I can't ever imagine ever being happy again. I struggle every day and I am very disappointed in myself. Sophie, I wish things could have been different and I hope that you rest in peace with the God. With deepest regret, Sabrina Quidair. Before passing his sentence, Judge Nicholas Hilliard QC addressed the couple. He said you were both involved in torturing Sophie, in the bath, in the lead up to her death, in making her think she would drown. The suffering and the torture you put her through before her death was prolonged and without pity. The judge went on to add their behaviour had its origins in cruelty and a desire for revenge and said it is plain from all the evidence that Sophie was a kind, gentle and good-natured girl. Sabrina Quidair and Awisa Maduni were sentenced to life in prison and would each have to serve at least 30 years before they are eligible for parole. While Sophie Lyonnais died at the hands of Sabrina Quidair and Awisa Maduni, who was she and how did she meet her eventual killers? Sophie was born to parents Patrick Lyonnais and Catherine Devalonnais in the late 1990s. She was raised in Troyes, northern France, though her parents divorced when she was four. She enjoyed the company of friends and was described as a nice girl with a big heart, but she was very timid. In 2012, she finished school. She attended the André Malraux Paron College in Paron, about 70 miles southeast of Paris, and decided to complete a childcare course called Vocational Training for Infancy. A former school friend said, Sophie had the social conscience of somebody who was far older. She took up all kinds of causes and wanted to make a difference. She was bright and good at sport and dreamed of making the world a better place. Her friends from France described her as someone who was passionately against violence of any sort and believed that everyone had a social responsibility to stop it. She was an advocate for animal rights and was a fierce critic of any country that sells arms. After her studies, she found it difficult to find work locally, so in an effort to widen her cultural horizons and improve her English, Sophie decided to travel to the UK in January 2016. She moved into the home of Wissem Maduni and Sabrina Quidair. Through a friend, she had met Sabrina's brother, and by all accounts, things had been going well. It wasn't until a few months later that those who knew Sophie began to realise that she wasn't herself. She lived under an oppressive household, led by Sabrina's violent mood swings. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO. Sabrina Quidair was born during January 1982 in a town in northern Algeria. Her parents and sister moved to Paris to avoid the growing conflict in the region. Sabrina joined them a few years later. After school, she went into a two-year course for business management, but found life in the French capital difficult. In 2001, working on a sweet stall at a fun fair, she met Oisem Madouni. The 18-year-old was approached by 23-year-old Oisem, otherwise known as Sam, who introduced himself. In his words, he described the sweet stall attendant as very, very beautiful. The economic student got Sabrina's number and plucked up the courage to call her. He pursued her relentlessly before they had their first date in a McDonald's. On another date over dinner and drinks, he realised that Sabrina was actually sleeping with one of his friends. While crestfallen, that didn't deter him and he remained a romantic interest in her life. Over the course of their on-again, off-again relationship, he would propose multiple times but always receive the same response. I'll think about it. The pair would go on to have a non-legal Muslim marriage, though the relationship was one of convenience for Sabrina. In public, Awisem would often be referred to as a relative or close acquaintance, and Sabrina would barely acknowledge his presence. In the mid to late 2000s, she travelled to London to find work as a nanny, and Awisem followed shortly after. She later got a job at a telecommunications company, and Awisem worked as a financial analyst for a French bank in London. Sabrina continued to have relationships with other men, one of which resulted in her first son. A year later in 2011, Sabrina Quidair met Irishman Mark Walton in a bank in Notting Hill after he asked the bank manager who the pretty woman was. 
he followed her and her friend to a restaurant and asked Sabrina out on a date. Mark Walton was a founding member of the band Boyzone. Though he was only in the band for a year, he went on to manage 90s pop bands Bewitched and Blue and was most recently seen as a judge in Vietnam's pop idol. Sabrina and Mark moved into an apartment together in Queensway, West London, and shortly after she told Mark that she had been abused by a family member. Her new boyfriend just wanted to help in whatever way he could. Mark fell in love, but he would soon realise that this new woman in his life was someone who could flip at a moment's notice. Her verbal outburst became physical, and he was often on the receiving end of punches or slaps. During their time together, Sabrina employed nannies to look after her son, but she would quickly accuse them of sleeping with Mark the minute he acknowledged them. After the couple had been together 14 months, Sabrina announced she was pregnant. Mark was over the moon, but a few months later Sabrina disappeared, explaining that she had to return to France as her mother was ill. Mark tried to contact her, but she wouldn't answer the phone. She eventually called back and told Mark that she had lost the baby before putting the phone down. He wanted to find out what had happened, but he was unable to get through to Sabrina, so Mark managed to track down her brother, who said she was still pregnant. Unsure of what to believe, the couple split up in 2012. Mark moved to America, but continued to send Sabrina correspondence requesting a paternity test. Although she refused, he continued to support her financially until he eventually cut off any contact with her in February 2014 due to her ever more erratic behaviour. After Mark Walton stopped sending Sabrina Quidair money, she said he was a paedophile, an animal abuser and the killer of an unborn child. She contacted his business associates, telling them that he had abused children and earlier in October 2012, she had reported him to the police, suggesting that he'd been violent towards her on three separate occasions. She complained to police that he had left 60 threatening voicemails. No evidence was found to support this, and the case was closed. Mark Walton was only made aware of the accusations after Sophie Leonet had been murdered. After the breakup, Sabrina returned to a flat near Wimbledon and back to the arms of a Wiesem Maduni who was operating a pancake stall at the time after being made redundant in 2012. He was pleased to see her. During his time working in the finance industry, he had purchased two flats in London and was living off the income generated by the tenants at his properties. While working trying to get a new fashion business up and running, Sabrina was receiving financial support from Mark Walton, but after that stopped, she no longer paid her rent and her debts reached £20,000. She then contacted the police again as she claimed that Mark Walton had hacked her social media accounts and sent her threatening emails. The emails were reviewed, however only contained details of how sorry Mark was that the relationship didn't work. In April 2014, Sabrina Quidair was found outside her home near Wimbledon, kicking and screaming. She told officers that Mark Walton had used black magic to control her and there was nothing she could do about it. For the next few months she repeatedly contacted police suggesting they weren't doing enough to protect her from her ex-partner who had apparently hired a helicopter to hover above her flat to spy on her. Throughout 2015 the complaints continued but police said that Mark Walton had no case to answer to. 
Sabrina eventually set up a fake Facebook profile and in September posted comments in which she described Mark Walton as a paedophile. In December, she was given a police caution. It would only be four months later when she claimed that Mark Walton had bribed social services and accused him of sexually abusing her cat, though she didn't own one. By August, she took Sophie Lyonnais to Lavender Hill Police Station, in which she said Mark Walton had planned on shooting her family. Sophie was interviewed by a police officer in a private area and told them none of it was true and no threats were made. A month later, Sophie Lyonnais was tortured and murdered before her body was burnt in the back garden of a property in southwest London. So where are we now? A month after Sophie Lyonnais was murdered, the press spoke to her aunt during the vigil held in her niece's memory. She highlighted how vulnerable foreign au pairs are and described the girls she knew. Oh, Sophie was a pearl, kind, gentle. She loved everyone. She loved making people happy. She couldn't harm anyone. She loved children, animals, everything. She didn't have the slightest bad bone in her body. Not one. We need to make sure this doesn't happen again, not just in the UK, but all over the world. I've been told there are lots of young women and young men who are badly treated, unhappy, who are almost abandoned by the host family. It can't happen again. It can't. After the tragic and horrific death of Sophie Lyonnais, those involved in the case spoke to the press. We don't know why Sophie didn't leave um, when she'd indicated that she wanted to, but given the intimidation, the bullying and the behaviour towards her, it's likely that she didn't feel able to. Nikki Bush the co-author of As an Equal, Au-Pairing in the 21st Century, a book that looks at how au-pairs now constitute one of the poorest paid and least protected groups of workers in the UK, also spoke about the current exploitation and abuse suffered by au-pairs. The majority of au-pairs I spoke to said that at best it was an exploitative situation where they felt kind of vulnerable and at worst that they'd been physically you know, assaulted or abused verbally. So I don't, you know, obviously murder is rare, but the background, the the background, the build-up to it, the way in which Sophie was in such a a vulnerable situation isn't rare. This work isn't being supervised in terms of working conditions, in terms of relationships with employers, in terms of pay, in terms of holiday. And this is problematic, I think. So I think what needs to be done is that this fiction of that there is an au pair scheme needs to be you know, held up to the light and the, the way in which people are employed in people's private homes needs to be investigated by the government. In stark contrast, Sophie Herzog, president of the UFFAP, or the French Au Pair Agency Union, believes that perhaps au pairs simply aren't up to the task and they just feel isolated. I don't like talking about abuses. Sometimes au pairs just think they're working too much. Often they're wrong. Sometimes the young person who thinks they're working too much actually isn't. Maybe the reality is that they're just a bit lonely. Wherever you stand on the debate of au pairs, a young woman lost her life in the most brutal way at the hands of two people who were described as monsters. Many would see Sophie's situation as that of modern-day slavery or another example of coercive control. 
in the UK if you or someone you know is a victim of modern day slavery. You can call the Modern Day Slavery Helpline on 0800 0121 700 or visit modernslaveryhelpline.org for more details. Coercive control is identified when a perpetrator repeatedly behaves in a way that makes the victim feel controlled, dependent, scared or isolated. If you or anyone you know is a victim of coercive control, evidence such as emails, text messages, photographs of injuries and diaries will help authorities build a case against those responsible. Although the signs may seem obvious in some circumstances, this might not always be the case. Often the perpetrator will act in such a way that the victim doesn't even recognise they are being abused. For more details, please visit nationaldomesticviolencehelpline.org.uk Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com You can follow us on Twitter at TWAU underscore podcast or follow us on Instagram and Facebook under They Walk Among Us podcast. I'm Nina Instad, host of Already Gone, a true crime podcast focused on Detroit, Michigan, and the Great Lakes region. We look at older or lesser-known cases, stories that you won't hear anywhere else. In the weeks ahead, we're covering unsolved murders, missing persons cases, and looking back at a few resolved cases that made the headlines. Listen to Already Gone on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. 911. The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.